episode of the Classic Pickup Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whips, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This podcast is sponsored by Classic Pickup Supplies, your number one Ford and Chev pickup parts supplier. Mention Classic Truck for a 10% discount off your first order. Classic Pickup Supplies, located in Coolum Beach, Queensland. Call 07 5446 2667. Or visit their website, www.classicpickupsupplies.com.au. Classic Pickup Supplies, dedicated to the restoration and preservation of the pickup. Episode 24, Jason Biddle. This week I caught up with Jason. I met Jason when I was at Dino's Get Down in America in November. Jason's a lucky man. He's got two awesome Task Force trucks in his garage. He's got a 59-step side Apache and a 58 fleet side Apache that he's had built in the States. So you'll hear all about that in this interview. I wanted to do a quick shout out. I've had a bunch of people get in touch with me over the last week or two, and uh, I just wanted to, to thank them uh, for letting me know they're enjoying the podcast and suggesting stuff for content. It's been really good to hear from people, and, and I, do, I do enjoy hearing from you. So if you haven't given me a shout and maybe there's a topic that you're interested in hearing about, let me know. So... Uh, Josh Delaney, he hit me up. He's doing a J-Model Bedford at the moment, so thanks for that, mate. Uh, Andrew Reedy, he's got a 48 Ford truck that he'll be getting to soon. Uh, another gentleman called Edward Walton. So it's it's good to get a bit of feedback. Uh, another interesting one I had today was uh, Jeff Martin from Muncie Speed. So I don't know if you follow Muncie Speed, but he's based out of America, and he does some pretty high-end carbon fibre parts for the C10 trucks. Really awesome stuff, so... He, uh, he messaged me, and I, I'll just read it out because I think it's really cool. He said, uh, he's listening to the Leon Davies episode, and he says, I think you guys have it all wrong. Having a right-hand drive car in America is pretty exotic, and people will pay more for that. You're right, we have tons of the same cars, and selling them back into the States would not be worth it unless it was a right-hand drive, which makes it rare and unique, and then you can probably get a high dollar for it. Anytime you can introduce a right-hand drive car to Americans, there is a niche for that and people will pay. He says, perhaps I misunderstood the details of the conversation, but I was screaming at my phone trying to correct you guys on that. So that was cool to hear from him. You know, he reckons that potentially, uh, you know, a right-hand drive truck on the market, you know, maybe another extra two grand would be worth it. So food for thought. Um, be interested to hear anyone that's had any experience with with selling trucks back to the state. So I haven't really heard much about that actually happening, but uh, I'm sure it has. And the other thing I just wanted to touch on, I, I mentioned in this podcast that I did a poll. So I got on Facebook and I created a poll, which I thought would be a bit of fun. And I, I put it across six different Facebook pages. Two of them were American. So one was a Chev and a Ford page, uh, and then five Aussie pages. So there was a, a Chev page, a Ford page, a Dodge and International. So we've got a really good uh, mixture of all the different um, genres of the trucks. And the question was pretty simple. It was like, if you could have your ultimate truck, your, you know, your dream truck, the question was, would it be perfect sunburnt patina? Would it be a show quality paint job? Would it be painted nice, but just a daily driver? Would you want the faux patina, so fake patina? Uh, would you want mismatched panels, you know, like a full rat rod? 
the other one was you want something that looks like it's just been dragged out of a swamp where it's been sitting for 50 years. And the other one was the original paint just with not a speck of rust. And also I had bare metal as an option. So it was really interesting to see that. We had, I had a total of 463 votes over all those platforms. Um, so yeah, something that was interesting. So the, um, the painted nice, but just the daily driver had the most votes at 42% of the poll. So I think that reflects a lot of stuff that, you know, guys want to be able to drive their truck, want it to look good, but not necessarily a show winning paint job. Uh, second on the list in the voting came Sunburnt Perfection over Original Paint. So just that ultimate patina. And that was 26% of the vote. Uh, next after that was Show Quality Paint was 10%, which was, uh, you know, expected, I suppose. I expected that to be a bit higher, to be honest. Uh, then after that, we had Original Paint with no rust was 9%. And then surprisingly, uh, the fake patina got 3%, um, which is, I'm just not a fan of it. And uh, I appreciate some people are, and especially here in Australia, it's very hard to get a cab and a bed and everything to be the same. So I understand where you might get the whole lot sandblasted and painted and, and you do your best to get a, a good quality fake patina, looks pretty good. Um, so yeah, that was quite interesting. And then, and then there was the option that you could add add your own stuff so we had a couple of guys wanted them to be uh just a flat black paint um and then some some guy was having a big cry about uh the linseed oil he didn't want boiled linseed oil on there and there was quite a few people who decided that they didn't give a shit so that was good fun to hear all that stuff so anyway that might be interesting to you or it might not but that's uh what i got up to the other thing i'm going to quickly add in here maybe is a new a new segment that you know i get guys hit me up sometimes Oh, do you know, do you know anyone that might have a part that I need? I speak to a lot of truck people, and I had a guy named David Catling uh, hit me up. He's got a, a Ford F1, and he's looking for a gearbox cross member. So, so if you've restored an American Ford F1 pickup, 48 to 52, uh, and you may not have used your chassis, or you might have replaced a bit of stuff, and you've got a, a gearbox cross member, please get in contact with me, and I'll pass your details on to him. So that's about all the rambling I've got for you. Had a really good chat to Jason and I hope you enjoy this episode. Jace, welcome to the podcast, mate. Long time no see. It was uh, Dino's get down. Uh, we caught up in the car park and I, I checked out your ride. How you been, mate? Good, champ. Very good. The world's changed a lot since then. Yeah, it has. It's, um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I see Seam has just been cancelled and, and it'll be really interesting to see whether Dino can pull his show off this year. Yeah, you just took the words out of my mouth. Um, yeah, Seema's gone, so it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with Dino. Um, I'm sure some way or some form of it will happen, even if guys just hang out in the car park and bring a few beers and that. No one's going to stop them from doing that. No, no. And, I mean, if they if they can operate, they're obviously going to get a lot of big-name um, guys there because everyone's missing out on Seema and they've, they've kind of probably keen to still get out there. Definitely, definitely, everyone. Yeah, it's, it's a big event and it's getting bigger and bigger. It's sad that if it does get affected by COVID, because um, it was their 10th anniversary, and as you know, no Aussies will be going there this year. So, yeah, that would have been my fourth uh, Dino in a row. It might be good for us, though. They might have to postpone it and we can still go to the 10th. <laughs> yeah, good for us, but sad for them, really. So yeah. I hate to see for them, you know, you know, We'll always, I'll end up going there. If it's not this year, it'll be, or won't be this year, but it'll be enough next year, hopefully. 
Yeah, yeah, I've definitely got to go back. I just bought a truck that I've got to pick up somehow, so be, uh, be going all right. They're addictive, aren't they? Yeah, it's uh, it's dangerous, isn't it? So, um, mate, let's let's turn back the clock to when you were a young fella. What what are your first memories of of automotive stuff, or you know, what do you remember seeing that got you interested in cars and trucks? Oh, probably wasn't a good start at the beginning. Um, I grew up in Housing Commission, Mount Druitt, um, in a rough area. Hung around the wrong people, obviously. Um, we were into actually stealing cars, <laughs> yeah. uh, but just taking them for joyrides, just joyrides, and then just dumping them, and then uh, leaving them alone and walking away from them when they were out of fuel. Um, that quickly stopped. I remember we got pulled over by the coppers. He took us all back to the cop shop, rang up our parents. My dad got there, started taking off his belt, and wanted to hit me right in front of the copper. The copper goes, "What are you doing?" And he goes, "You can't do that." And anyway, so my dad took me home and he built me anyway. <laughs> um, two weeks later, I was called over by the same copper again for the same thing. Called my dad up, come and pick your son up. And my dad said, he's not my son. I tried to discipline him and you wouldn't let me. So you look after him and you feed him. So I stayed the whole day in the cop shop. Later that night, my dad would come and pick me up. But um, yeah, that was probably got into cars like that I suppose and then just grew up and um, got a job and always had come in the building trade a bricklayer it's always had utes um, and pick up trucks so yeah probably with my first memory of the best truck I probably had ute wise I had a WB uh, WB Holden that had a Statesman Caprice front end on it all the chrome trimming you know it had a stroker in it 383 stroker um, and all the Caprice yeah it was a Awesome, beautiful car, dark chocolate brown, but it probably wasn't too good for bricklaying. It was too much of a show pony for that. Got too messed up. Yeah, right. So, so what was your um, what was the best car you took for a joyride in your young years? I, I had a few different because after that, I my first car. I always had Holden's for some reason. It wasn't that I planned it that way. My first car, well, I remember I had a Gemini, Holden Gemini, and then that was just my first one, and then. Once I had me trade, then I started buying trucks and utes, obviously. Um, you had a VR, a VR Malou. Well, I had a VT Club Sport. Um, sold that when I met my missus because that was a manual and she couldn't drive. And so I had to get her an automatic and that, really, because it just would have trashed that. That would have destroyed that car and I would have seen it smashed up and it would have put me to tears. Um, so, yeah. So that, that got sold, and that was pretty immaculate, that car. It was always garage, very low-kilometre car. Um, yeah, and then the last one I had, I had a, a VZ one-tonner, holding one-tonner. Um, I had that for work. I ripped that off about a year ago, actually. I hit a bus on Anzac Parade. Um, so, yeah, that was a V8. So I always had kind of V8s and holding, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a... It's a sta- staple for the, the tradie, especially back in the early days. I mean, everyone now has probably got a dual cap four-wheel drive or something like that, but it was all about the ute, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I said I had that VZ one tonner. That was a V8. I think I heard that was a pretty rare car. Cause I think it was only like 500 made. The V8s anyway, I think it was like 500, just over 500 uh, nationwide. So, yeah, I was pretty sad when that one got rid of because um, that would have been a rare car or a rare truck. Yeah, yeah. And so, so 
when did you decide that that it was time to try and get yourself a, a Chevy? What what sort of brought that on, and and how did that happen the first time? Oh, let's see how many years back was that? Probably six, seven years ago. I was at Windsor, um, and we we're having fish and chips there, and that, and there was a uh, there was a GMC. Uh, 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 step site. Um, I think it would have been 50, 56 or 57. It was all patinaed and everything. It wasn't bad. It was just patinaed, just stock standard. And I was just in the car park there and just just drawn to it. And then just, just couldn't get away from it. Took a million photos of it. Just fell in love with it instantly. And I just said to myself, That'll suit me perfect. I love that patina. You don't have to wash it. You don't have to do anything. You can stick your beer can on the top and spill it, and it'll be just fine, you know. Because I, I always loved cars and that, but I just hated cleaning them, you know. Um, or you sooner you, you're worried that someone's going to put a shopping trolley into it or, you know, just, yeah. And I thought, this will be perfect, that patina look. I love it. Just got to clean the windscreen and wash the wheels. Yeah. And so then I just went home that day and I just started doing a bit of research and just got involved and just fell more in love with it. And the next thing I ended up buying one. Yeah, right. So so you bought, so is it Bluey? Do you call that truck Bluey? Is that right? Uh, the, yeah, oh, well, yeah, all forever in blue jeans. Yeah, because that's its original patina. So, yeah, I got that, uh, um, yeah, in Louisiana. Cool. So you were just on, like, Facebook or Craigslist or something? How did you find that truck? Oh, Instagram, actually. Everything's been from Instagram. Um, just went on Instagram and just started, you know, looking at builders and stuff. And then I came across that truck was for sale um, and didn't – just went from there, you know, and then I made an offer and uh, next thing I was sending money and um, booking my flight over. Yeah, right. So you, you flew over and, and had a good look at it and drove it down to the port to ship it back? No, no. I um, already, because obviously, as you know, you got to apply for a permit to import a vehicle. So I'd done all that, got all the paperwork. It's pointless buying something and then finding out that you're going to get the paperwork for it. Um, so you're stuck with something you can't bring in. So got the permit from Canberra, and once that was in, then I I actually sent the money. I, he sent me a heap of videos and photos of it, so I sent him the money, full amount and everything, and I just said oh, I just wanted to go over there and see it myself. Um, so, yeah, I went over there and, um, yeah, and checked it out. I only got to check it out for a few hours because the, the, uh, the transport truck was ready to pick it up, take it to... Um, Los Angeles. So I was hoping to spend more time with it um, over in America um, before it was, um, yeah, ready to be shipped off to Australia, Sydney. Cool. So that that was a pretty straightforward deal for you to have that imported. Like there were no big big expenses. You didn't expect it. Sort of came in and and came through quarantine and everything. No problem. Yeah. Well, I knew a guy, um, John DeBrinkett. Um, he brings in cars. I met him at a couple car shows. He's been on that pretty much all his life. And so he ran the process through to me what was expected, you know, you know, the car, you know, the container would be sprayed, test for pests and all that. And he told me that it will be looked at customs and quarantine would inspect it. He actually um, gave me the number of the guy that could bring it from, uh, transport it from uh, New Orleans to um, Los Angeles. 
so he took me through the process and everything and, you know, it was a direct LA to Sydney, so it wasn't going via China or anywhere else. So, yeah, no, everything went smooth there. So went into a warehouse in um, Los Angeles and then probably stayed in that warehouse for a couple of weeks and then it was ready to go into a container. It went in with a Mustang, I think a couple of Harleys and some other car parts as well. Uh, four weeks later, it was in Sydney. Obviously got inspected, customs and quarantine. Obviously uh, customs, yeah, quarantine looking for bugs in your, the treads of your tyres or under your mud bumpers and stuff like that, making sure it's all clean. It got knocked back first go by the inspection. Um, well, when you look at that truck, it sort of looks to the average person who doesn't know a lot. It's a dirty-looking truck because of the patina on it. So he said very rarely any new truck would only pass. Um, and some of the time they're just doing it so they can get come back and get a second, get an extra fee off you for another inspection. So we're probably half expecting it to be knocked back, even though the truck wasn't dirty. But, you know, there's always something to find. I suppose they can uh, accumulate work for themselves that way. But, yeah, then it was passed and released to me. So, yeah, it was um, was good, yeah. Cool. Definitely an eye opener. Everywhere I go, I get the thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've got to say, um, you know, for the listeners, uh, Jason's Instagram, it's at 58 underscore 59 underscore slammed. And um, you're quite the photographer, mate. Like, there's, there's some awesome photos of that truck around Sydney. Yeah, I don't know. I think I just got a natural eye for it because I'm only doing it from an iPhone and there's no special camera gear or anything like that so i don't know i've probably got a talent that i've just unsurfaced that i didn't know i had um yeah um so yeah just when i go out i try and take a nice photo somewhere get the angle right man yeah go from there yeah there you go it's really clean you could be taking photographs of chicks on beaches instead you're on a building site with mixing mud It's probably a good thing. Probably keeps me from getting in trouble. <laughs> cool. And so, what what would you say? I mean, obviously, you're talking five or six years ago, but what what would you say from from where that truck was sitting in New Orleans to having it parked in your driveway? What what was the cost to get that thing shipped? Oh, shipping was you got to um, pay taxes and all that on it, and um, so there's a percentage on what you you pay as well. Um, the amount that you paid and then the dollar on the day is converted from Australian dollars to American dollars so I don't know I can't honestly remember thinking back probably like six grand seven grand something like that yeah yeah that sounds about right yeah, all up with taxes and everything yeah, yeah. Mm, cool. it depends on the Aussie dollar on the day as well they go back on the day that it was um, yeah it was locked up in the container and that as well so yeah, it was all a learning process. That was all new to me, so I didn't know what to expect and how the process worked. But the guy, like I said, he helped me out and he knew everything. And um, yeah, I suppose that's why I used him again for my second truck. Hmm. No, that's it was just a smooth process. It was everything went well. He, everything he told me, he promised, happened. And yeah, so I wasn't dicked around. So yeah, hmm. I probably could have got it cheaper. Um, but I know that it might have gone via China or somewhere like that. And like he told me, he said, you want that container touched as less hands as possible. Um, to be honest, if that's how much you love your truck. So, you know, yeah, they probably could have got it, brought it in a cheaper way. But 
you know, for what it's worth, I'd rather just do it proper and that's it. Yeah, no, nah, for sure. So tell us a bit about that truck. It's it's obviously um, airbagged. What What's it running? Is it just a 350 Chevy or something like that or is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a 350 Chevy. It's all neat and tidy in the engine bay. It's a lot of chrome under there. The battery's not in the engine bay. The battery's behind the back seat, the bench seat. Um, so, yeah, it's all it's all well, well nicely done and everything. Um, it's had a few different owners along the way, and I think every owner's added their own touch to it along the way. So, yeah, um, if I have it long enough in years to come, I'd probably rebuild it again. I just love the patina on that truck. It's just, it's really, really awesome um, patina. Um, after being in the States a few times and seeing some of the trucks over there, I, I really do appreciate uh, the patina on that truck. Yeah, yeah. And and that, that blue colour is just so um, era perfect for those trucks, you know, that was uh, it's got a, kind of like the Volkswagen Combis have a dove blue colour that's, that's sort of similar and it, it patinas up real nice. Yeah, no, it does exactly. No, it suits that truck perfect, yeah, in that era, like you just said. Yeah, um, correct, yeah, definitely correct. So so you're rocking around Sydney, you, you have that thing for about, let's say, four years, um, good head turner, and then you get greedy and you decide you want another one. Yeah, well, it's like that. Because um, then, obviously, then, like, I've got that truck and I'm into the Chevy, you know, the, the Task Force era. You know, I love that shape. It's that motion forward looking shape you know to it it's just an awesome design the way they design vehicles in, in them days you know it's just phenomenal and just yeah and then i knew there was the option with the bed so that was a step size and then there was obviously the fleet side and the cameo and um, were the other two options and then there's a big back window and a small back window and i said oh i like that fleet side you know you see you know you follow guys like hail speed shop and Stoner, you know, and you see their trucks and just got attracted to the uh, the fleet side. So I thought, oh, I'll try and go for a fleet side, you know. Um, yeah, and this time I'll try and make it a big back window. So I started hunting around and looking for a uh, for one of them um, to build, actually. I just wanted something to build, yeah. So you've gone from uh, the blue truck, you know, you've bought that as a complete finished project and and this time you made a decision from the get-go that you wanted to find a project and, and have it sort of spec-built to the way you wanted it. Yeah, that's right, yeah, because the blue one was already built, so I didn't have any say in that, but I do love it the way it was. I probably wouldn't have done too many things different to it. But, yeah, this time I thought, well, I'll start from scratch and I'll, and I'll try and add my bit of flair on it to it and my taste and the things I like, you know, and go from there. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And so, how how did you come about finding Rick at Homegrown Rides? Was that that did that just sort of happen, or yeah, another Instagram moment? Yeah, <laughs> no, another Instagram man. So I've been looking for a fleet side big window, fifty eight or fifty nine, because I was just like the dual headlights mm. um, as well, and they only came out in fifty eight and fifty nine. Um, so I was looking for at least maybe six to. 12 to 6 months for one um, then all of a sudden I was just looking at Instagram and I saw Rick's post up, he had that truck, it was just a shell on a on a chassis, no engine, no, not running or anything, no engine in it no nothing, no running gear um, and he just said in his post oh this truck um, is on its way to uh, 
was it on its way to? Not Minneapolis, Minnesota. Anyway, um, I can't think now where we're going. Somewhere up north in America. Anyway, and then I just as a cheeky reply, I just reckon I'd be better if it was coming to Sydney, Australia. And then he just, I didn't expect the response, and he wrote back, well, it could be. He said, I haven't heard from the guy for a week, and he hasn't put a deposit down yet. Um, and I said, well, I said, I'm fair income about it. I said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a deposit ASAP. And he said, all right. And so I sent him the deposit, and so I ended up being the new owner of that truck. And was he doing full builds at that stage, or...? Or was he just doing stuff for himself? No, Rick um, still works. He was in, he's in the defence force, so um, that's not his full time job building trucks. It's more of a hobby, part time thing. So he will eventually turn into that. I think he's getting close to retirement. From there, all he can get retirement anyway, um, and then he will eventually just be full time. I think that's his dream. You know, if things work out, um, just to stay in the shop and build trucks all day long. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, so he had built a couple himself um, for friends and whatever. Um, so, yeah, he was, yeah, he had that one. And then um, which, oh, that build was only going to be just a basic build. I didn't want it to turn out the way it turned out. I just wanted something simple, you know. And But then things just grew. We just kept bouncing ideas off each other. We have very similar tastes, me and Rick. And, yeah, I think it all just started from the brakes, the choice of brakes. We just went for a... Well, actually, he had the wheels on it at first. Um, and I didn't actually like the choice of wheels he had. And I just had, for some reason, I just... Everyone else, you know, the Detroit steel wheels. You know, oh, you know, let's go for them. You know, they, and there's nothing wrong with that. They look good. But Rick had these chrome things on, spoke things, and I thought, oh, I'm not sure about that. Um, but then they just grew on me. And um, I thought, well, yeah, let's do something different. Let's not do the Detroit stuff. You know, let's try and do something different. And um, they just grew on me them wheels, and then it was a choice of brakes. And I said, well, if we're going to keep them wheels. We're going to have to choose something nice for brakes because you can see right through them wheels where the steel wheels, they cover everything up. I said, you know, you're not going to put little rotors on it and stuff like that. So we went for 13-inch rotors, six pistons, um, bare brakes, um, calipers. And then I thought, well, that was a big purchase. And then from there, you know, you don't look back, do you? Then everything just goes just goes forward. <laughs> Down the rabbit hole. Yeah, so then everything just snowballed after that. And the next thing we're putting an LS3 in it. And, yeah, going from there. And, yeah. And what, was it always in your head, was it always going to be a bag truck, though? Yeah, yeah, definitely wanted bag because the other one, the blue one, was bag. I just, everything, any vehicle looks good on the floor. Mm. Any vehicle, it doesn't matter what it is, but it's on the floor, it just looks good. Yeah. So, yeah, it just it had to be a bag truck. Yeah, it was definitely going to be a bag truck, but definitely wasn't going to be to the extreme built that it is, yeah. So what's it running? It's got portable suspension? That's correct, yeah. Chassis and that. Yeah, it's an LS3. Um, that was out of an escalator, a uh, Cadillac escalator. Uh, that motor Rick had a good deal on one at the time. And then we just wanted to do something different with... I wanted to do something different with the engine. I just didn't want... One look, and I wanted it to look like a jury box. So I was sending stuff, information to Rick, and Rick's bouncing ideas off me, and then he found these um, Gemvi injectors that sit on top. And so we bought them and that, and we cleaned them all up, and yeah, they look good. They look mad. It looks like a jury box when you open the thing. So there's obviously tuning. There's a lot of tuning that goes on with that as well to get them all 
synchronised all at the same time, and that's uh, yeah, there's a lot of tuning issues and that with that as well. Yeah, and you got a you got a dress up kit from Delmo Speed as well on that. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we got all our, our leads from there as well, and everything is that. Yeah, and that's got a that's been cam stage free cam from Texas Speed Shop as well. Cool. What transmission are you running behind that? Uh, it's a 6L80E. Yeah, so it's just an automatic. Um, I just wanted the big shift on it up high. Just wanted that look. I love that. So I told Rick that's got to happen, you know. So, you know, so we just kept bouncing ideas off each other and he'd, so he'd send me something and then during the day emailed it to me or, or a message on the phone. We kept in constant contact during the whole build. Um, Rick's become... He's a great friend of mine. He's a great guy. He's so knowledgeable. So easy. Me and him just got on so well, like I said, because we had similar tastes. He'd send me something, and then I'd go home that night after work and research it and say, oh, how about if we go this way about it or do it this way? Or, no, you're right, Rick. This is perfect. It's a perfect fit. Let's do it. So I just basically I gave him a lot of free reign as well. I told Rick, you know, like, treat it as if it were, you were building it for yourself. What would you do? So things like that, yeah. But obviously, at the end, I had the ultimate stakes. I'm paying the bill. But yeah, did did you start out with a budget, or is that is that a dirty word? Well, it is a dirty word. Um, but there was no real figure in my head, to be honest. Um, but it did start. Yeah, the, it did start going up. Um, yeah, but just like I said, it got to a stage where you just couldn't turn back. You spent a lot of money on expensive parts and. You just start halfway, then start going cheap on certain things. You know, it just had to keep going then, didn't it? Mm. It just wouldn't have fitted if you just went cheap, then went back to cheap again. No, no, absolutely. <clears throat> and that's, so that's original paint on that truck? It's not the original paint. Um, I don't know how far back it goes, but it's sent out under a big, dirty tree for a long time, apparently, the history goes. But um, I don't know. I, I think it's got a a bit of gold under it as well. Um, the original paint, you can kind of see it coming through in some places. You know, you get that tooth, there was a two-tone one with the gold and then the uh, ivy at the bottom half of it. I think that might have came from there, so we're not really too sure. I just like the look the way it is. Yeah, I mean, it's been painted black at some stage and then it's it's weathered it over the years and, yeah, it's, it's definitely got a special yeah. look. So one of the things that... I think the first time I saw anything to do with your truck... Um, was when Jason Berlin was doing a bit of work on it. He was doing all the hard lines and things. And the, you know, just the... Yeah, he's an awesome guy, Jason. Oh, man, like... Um, so we're talking about a guy named Jason. His business is Arizona High Test um, on Instagram. And, and I mean, that guy is a is an artist, isn't he? Like, his, his chassis work and his plumbing for their airlines, and it's amazing. Yeah, he done all the hard lines on that. You know, there was no who was going to do it. It was always going to be Jason. He, he wired it all up. He actually put an electric e-brake on it for me as well. Um, so it's got an electric e-brake in it. And he also hooked up the tricky air shocks for the bed to come up and down. So he's, he's done a lot of work on that truck, Jason. He's done a lot, a lot of work. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because you... There's two, I don't know. There's two ways to look at a build in my head. Like, for me personally... Everything that's going to be under my truck is never going to be seen. So I just want it to work, not rust, look good enough, and then the body goes on. 
you look at your chassis with the engine, you know, like if you pull the body and the bed off, it, it's almost a sacrilege to put the body on it, isn't it? Yeah, it is actually. It is. Um, it looks so awesome just as a rolling chassis uh, with all the running gear on it. Um, actually contemplated really hard about putting the wooden bed in the back. So, yeah, we've done the bed in such a way so it can reveal as much as possible. Um, I probably put the bed on it mostly because it was coming here to Australia and I just didn't want prying eyes looking in the back of it, you know. So I can lift it up when I want. So And it's still removable the way it's set up. It's on hinges and that. So we can still remove it and, you know, it's not a big issue if, if I wanted to go that way with it again as well. So, yeah, it is. It is. Um, there is a lot of, lot of hidden hidden good stuff yeah that no one will probably ever see or appreciate there's all the x pipes and all that because that's got um that's got cutouts in the exhaust and everything and all that no one ever sees yeah which i suppose is good for when mr plod pulls you over on the side of the road but um otherwise uh it'd be nice to be able to show it off yeah it would be definitely yeah so yeah i just know it's all done properly underneath and everything so yeah i built the truck for myself to be honest and and then everyone else is second. So, yeah. But, yeah, there's definitely um, had a lot of love and that along the way. Uh, Rick's helped me out heaps with it. Um, it's taken me on an adventure that I never thought I'd go on, to be honest, when it all started. Um, I've been to America four times now just for that truck alone um, in the last, you know, three or four years. So, um, yeah, and met, met the best people along the way. Um probably end up being lifelong friends with a lot of people there and seen a lot of great other builds um, while at the shows there and took home a big, fat, dirty trophy. Yeah, so you, you went to Lone Star Throwdown last year with the truck, is that right? Yeah, we went on a big road trip, a whole group of us, and uh, see 10 talk. And yeah, we all did a, like a big convoy it was. It was about, yeah, we took our time, I think, from we all... Picked up, stopped at servos, you know, met along the way, and the convoy just kept getting bigger and bigger. And there was a big group of us, you know, and we just took our time. Um, yeah, it was an eye-opener. It was great going across Arizona, you know, um, to Texas, and we took the long way around and uh, got to see a lot of good stuff. So it definitely opened my eyes, and I'd never been to Texas before. You know how it is in the States. Everything's big in the States, but then Texas steps up again. Um, I don't know if you've ever been there. There's a... There's a service station chain, Servo Bucky's. We pulled into a Bucky's in Texas, started counting the pumps. There's 72 pumps at this place. Wow. 72 pumps. I'm going, fuck, 72 pumps. I couldn't believe it. So anyway, I asked the lady, I said, that's huge at the, behind the desk there. And she goes, oh, not really. She goes, we've got another one up the road. That's got 104 pumps. This one doesn't service the trucks. So it's just it's just mind blowing how big this service station is. Yeah. Obviously, you don't build something unless you've got the need for it, or it's just it's just just incredible to get your head around these things. So yeah, I love Texas. Texas was huge. The show Lone Star was a great show. Got to see many different builds. Got to see a few builders as well. I got to see um, Nathan Hale from the Hale Speed Shop. I built some phenomenal rides along the way, and I'm following him and get to see the guy in person. So it's kind of like, you know, they're on Instagram and that, and then you just meet him in person. It's a bit, yeah, it's a bit, wow. This is the guy himself. And Nathan's so down to earth, him and his wife, they 
they came over and looked at me truck and checked me truck out and they just loved it, you know, and Nathan really liked what was done with it and everything. And it's just nice hearing words like that from people that you, um, yeah, that you look up to. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's, yeah, it, it, it is cool, isn't it? Like you, you, you follow guys on Instagram or, you know, you hear them on other podcasts or, or whatever it is. And when, when I went out to Dell's shop and caught up with him and we did an interview out there and, you know, like, it's just the most, hum- truck, isn't it? most humble guy, though. Like, he's just like, he's like the guy next yeah, door. Yeah, they all are. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, all, all truck people are. That's what I found. In the truck community, they're all just all down the earth. We're all normal people, you know. You're all approachable, everything. This time I went to a get-down, I saw Dino for the first time. It's like, oh, wow, I know that guy. I've seen him on Instagram now. I'm looking at him for real. It's just a weird kind of feeling. You know, everyone's internet, Instagram names, but you don't really know what their real names are until you actually get talking to them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Instagram's really weird like that. Like, even, um, you know, listening to Ronnie on C10 Talk, he'll know someone's Instagram name yeah. and he doesn't even know their real name. Like, he's just, that's just how. Yeah. I mean, I, I still do a bit of Facebook as well, but I, as far as all the truck stuff, I, I probably spend a lot more time on Instagram. But yeah, it's interesting. So as far as Dino's, so you said you've been there three years. So the first time you went over, was that when you just bought the truck? Yeah, so that build, the build, I think we worked it out. It took about two and a half years um, from the time I purchased the truck to the time um, it was all set up and ready for me to take back to Australia. So, yeah, I only just kind of purchased the truck. Um, it wasn't running. Uh, there was the motor in it, but we didn't have it running or anything at the first time. Dino's get down that was in 2017 um so we just yeah so we kind of like rolled into the car park there was at a different venue than when i saw you so it's been three venues that i've been to at the Dino. so this was still at his uh workshop at his where the original Dino was it was always good to go there and go to the original where it was held originally um but i'd never been there before but everyone told me there was a massive amount of trucks and there's no way he could have kept that show going another year there um, because it was just too overpacked. So that's why obviously he moved on in 2018 to another venue. And then from there he went up again where I met you in 2019. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I went over there the first time. Rick kind of had most of it together, but nothing was running or nothing was turning. So it was a good chance for me to go over there and actually see Rick face to face and be able to shake his hand. Um, him, his wife and his son took me into their home, looked after me. So awesome, you know. They just, they were just so welcoming to me and done everything for me. Um, couldn't thank them enough. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I hit the jackpot. I found someone really good straight away. Had similar taste to me. Uh, we just got on well, me and Rick. We just got on. Mm. Oh, that's cool. And then, and then walking around that first get down. How many new ideas or how many changes in, in what you thought you were going to do, you know, did you did you come around for the build? Like, you obviously, being there for the first time and seeing what everyone else has done, it just opens your eyes to some possibilities. Oh, yeah, it does too. But it also makes you appreciate what you where you're going as well. So you can see what sort of level your truck's already on as well because you're looking at other trucks. Um, and so you think, well, then you realise the quality of the build that you're actually going through building as well. So, yeah. So, yeah, there was different ideas um, and meeting different people and having different conversations. 
Um, yeah. Cool. But it was all just because you're all just one community. You all got the same interests. So it's not just about you know trucks. It's just about mateship and you know just sitting down having a beer and talking crap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that's <clears throat> that's what half of this is all about, isn't it? It's you know I know I know building my truck. We you know Thursday nights we get a group of four of us. Well, we don't, we can't do it for the next six weeks, but we have been. But no, we've we've been, you know, we go up into our project shed and, and you know, and we just put the barbie on and light a fire and have some beers and, and what sort of work on our projects and, and that's something I look forward to every week, you know, like I don't know that we always get a lot of work done, but it's just getting together with a bunch of mates and having a few beers and working on your vehicles, it's awesome. Because you've all gone through the same thing, you know, through the same heartaches, you know, all the wiping this fit, wiping this work you know, or something failed, and you've all gone through the same wins as well, you know, oh, well, this was a good thing, and so you bounce ideas and you share ideas, yeah, it's, it's just a mateship, yeah, and the trucks are just being there, it's just a bonus. Yeah, and we we had a bit of a conversation on the last podcast, um, we were talking about left-hand drive trucks, which obviously both of yours are, do you, do you ever feel, I mean, I know day-to-day it's probably not that big a deal, but, you know, if, if you're out on the highway or... On a maybe on a bit of a more of a back road, and you're about you want to overtake a truck or something like that, and you're sitting on the wrong side to sort of have a peekaboo around the corner. Do you how do you find that? Like, is there are there days where you go, geez, I wish this was right hand drive, or are you just always really happy? You love it. No, I, I, I would never get my trucks converted, never ever. I like the uniqueness about it. I like obviously when you go to a show, yeah, you're going to find some that have obviously come and never changed, but everyday driving, you're in the traffic. You're going to pull up at a set of lights and you can basically shake hands with the driver beside you. You know, and then people just spin out and say, what's he doing on that side of the road, uh, the truck, and he's driving that truck? You know, you just see the face on the average people, average day drivers. They've got nothing, you know, nothing about cars and they're just spinning out. You know, like, how's this guy driving that when he's sitting there? And I just love that look alone. For that itself, it's priceless, you know. Um, in regards to driving, I think if you're a capable driver, you can jump in anything and you'll drive it. If you if you can drive, you can drive. You'll sit in something and you'll drive it. Yeah, there's obviously that initial adjustment, but yeah, you just jump in it and you get used to it and you just you just drive. And as for overtaking and that, plan ahead. Or just go slower. <laughs> you know, yeah, just go slower. Look, the thing's not, I didn't buy a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, you know, End of the day, I just bought it for cruising as well. You know what I mean? I'm not. I'm told fast end days. You know, where I just want to be a complete rat bag. You know, I just want to enjoy the truck and just go for a cruise. So if I'm in them trucks, I'm not even on a big rush to go anywhere. I've planned my day to enjoy the truck and enjoy the drive. So I'm never going to be in a rush. It's like I'm rushing to go to work or wherever in the morning. First thing in the morning, I've I've got the day off and I just want to enjoy it and just go for a, a leisurely drive and just enjoy it. And do you ever do you ever drive the trucks to work? just rock up at the building site and drop it on its guts? Yeah, I have a couple times. It's I just kind of planned it. Obviously, you know, when I'm not carrying tools and that and I can leave my tools on the job and whatever, so, yeah, I don't want to fill it up with all my junk tools and stuff like that. So, yeah, normally it's on a Saturday or something when I go to work. I might take it with me and that, and the, the rest of the guys on this job site just all spin out. I remember the blue thing when I first bought it and I saw it in the garage in uh, New Orleans, just from a distance as I was walking, it just looked like a toy. It just didn't look real. It looked like a comic. It was just, just, just a really weird look, yeah. But, yeah, people just 
can't believe it. You know, it's it's funny. You just the expressions that people give you. You know, like, like any of them trucks that I've got, I can park that into a brand new Lamborghini, a Porsche, or Ferrari. I guarantee that draws more people, and people want to stand next to it and take a photo rather than a Porsche or a Lamborghini. You know, you can just go to any dealership and buy the same thing tomorrow. But where are you going to buy one of these trucks from? Hmm. You know, they're totally unique. They're getting rarer and rarer. Yeah, yeah, and and especially to find something. Like you were saying with that blue truck with the patina, it, it is getting very hard to find a rust-free full patina body that doesn't have patch panels and, you know, it's uh, it's the holy grail really for me. You know, like I, I really, I've, I actually put a, um, a poll up on a few of the Chevy and Ford and international pages the other day and it was just, it was basically asking the question, you know, if you could have your, your one dream truck, would it be show quality paint? Would it be normal paint and, you know, just good enough and a daily driver or would it be patina? And, you know, I think I put about four or five different options up and I haven't really sat and collated all the results yet, but there weren't many people that wanted that show paint job. You know, most guys wanted something they could drive as a daily driver and they're not going to shit themselves if they park it at the supermarket or go down the street, you know? Exactly. You spend your, all your day cleaning it you know and you never enjoy it because you're just totally always cleaning it because I've, I've been down that road and you just like I said patina for me I'd never buy I'd never buy anything but patina like because it's just so many advantages for me like you can put your, your coffee cup on it or your beer bottle if you spill it big deal I've got mine in the garage now I guarantee there's a grinder sitting on the hood of the uh on the hood or something you know what I mean it's no big deal it's no big deal at all um it would just clean the windscreen and clean the wheels and that's it, you know, ready to go. And, yeah, surely when you take it out sometimes, obviously there's some people that go to you, oh, it's a really good-looking truck, but are you going to paint it? And it's like, nah, I'm not going to paint it. Are you going to get cosmetic surgery, <laughs> you know, when you get older? No. So, no, this is staying the way it is. And what about, what about car clubs? Are you a member of a car club or anything, or do you do cars and coffee, or what's the scene like in your area? My problem is, is that I'm too addicted to work. Um, and I work in six days a week most of the time when I can get it. Um, so Sunday is my really only day off. Um, so I spend a lot of time then with my, my wife um, and we just go for a cruise or something like that. So I don't really have time for um, yeah, car clubs. And that's probably something I'll get into uh, later on down the track. But at the moment, no, I'm just, yeah... Even though I've been through the process of building, obviously a lot of times, we, you know, it's just frustrating when things don't work or whatever. You have to do things twice. But um, I kind of miss that process of the building part of it. I actually do miss um, deciding, making decisions and that. So, I don't know. I don't want to say nothing, but um, I'm looking for a third one, I think. <laughs> yeah, right. They're like puppies. They just... You just you got to get an Apache or you're going you to do something different? I don't know. I just love them trucks, that Task Force era trucks at the moment. I can't sleep past too many other things. I think I'm just going to go the same again. Get a GMC, get a 100. Yeah, yeah you're not far from, the, um, from, far from the mark. Just see what goes on with COVID and that in the next 12 months and that, you know, around the world and things like that. But, yeah, but now I'm a lot more... Um, confident about what I'm doing and um, I've met a lot of contacts and a lot of people over in America especially in, obviously in Arizona and that's probably one of the states you'd probably want to try and get a truck from um, or any vehicle from that's going to be rust free California 
somewhere around the bottom end of America anyway. Do you do you follow a guy on Instagram uh, calls himself He Haw Customs? Yeah, He Haw. Yeah, he's in uh, Florida. I'm not sure where he's at. Yeah, maybe he's similar to Rick though. Like he he just does awesome patina task force trucks and and they yeah, are yeah, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, another guy. Yeah, mm. yeah. He does yeah, he's cool in stuff. Florida, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, he he sells trucks every now and then. Like if he's got a bit of an overflow, he moves them on. So yeah, I see. Yeah, he's doing. Yeah, he built them. Um, yeah, he does. Yeah, so I follow him, and obviously Stoner. Stoner's done a few nice ones as well. Um, Stoner Speed Shop, and um, like I said, going back to Hale Speed Shop as well. I just saw that what them guys were producing. Um, probably the best painted task force truck I've seen was obviously the one I like. Anyway, it's, it's my my. My one um, is the one that Dell did, that um, old gold. Um, that was a GMC, the fleet side. Um, that's a beautiful truck. That's probably, what, at the moment, I'd say be my favourite painted truck. Yeah, there's some nice stuff. So that, let's talk for a minute about drivability. So you've got you've got two bag trucks. They're a year apart in age, so they're, they're pretty much the same. You've got one with a 350 yeah, just Chevy. Yeah, badges. Yeah, so what one's a three fifty and one's an LS three. How different are they to drive? Oh, they're a lot different. They're, they are different. Yeah, so you've got you know new technology. You know when one's carbureted and whatever. So yeah, they are different. Yeah, the other one, like the new truck with the LS three. You know that's got all the you know stage three cam in it and everything. So yeah, that 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 thing just goes nice and smooth, reliable. The other one, yeah, it's more feels like a truck. But then again, that's got other factors in it as well. You know, the other truck's got a portable chassis in it and stuff like that. Even the air ride in it, you know, it's, it's a lot updated version. You know, I've got um, air lift with that. So that's all got the all adjustable sensors on it. So, you know, where the other one doesn't have any of that, it's more older technology. Um, so, yeah, they're different trucks to drive, to be honest. But I like them both for what they are. Yeah, I guess I guess the ultimate question is: Sunday morning, you open the garage and you've got a choice of two trucks. How do you decide? And that's the biggest decision. People <laughs> to decide how to get both of them out at the same time. And that's my hardest thing. People go, "Oh, how are you going to bring the truck in?" And they ask me all these questions about importing and that. I said, "That's the easy part. I said I can get the truck in. I just got to find out how to drive both of them at the same time." That's my hardest decision. I'd try to mix it around a bit, to be honest. Just mix it around. Just depends. If I even, obviously, yeah, just share it around. Yeah, so one week it'll be this one, next week it'll be that one. Just depends how I feel, yeah. yeah. Tough gig, mate. Tough life. Tough life, mate. But you know what? I work for everything. Nobody gave me nothing in this life. I'm a bricklayer, mate, and I work damn hard. Yeah, and, and that, that that is a that is a really good point. I, I was listening to one of Ronnie's... Um, Friday builders um, podcast sort of sessions and and you called in and they brought you in on the phone and and you were sort of just you were saying basically that you were saying you know like I I'm good at laying bricks so I lay bricks to get the money to get someone else who's good at building cars to build my car you know like and that makes a lot of sense really doesn't it yeah that's right you know so well yeah I just wanted an expert someone that I wanted something built good and done right the first time. You know, I'm not going to have, try and have a go at trying to build myself a truck when I've never done one before, you know, especially to the quality that I wanted. 
So, you know, I'm making good coin doing what I do so I can afford to pay someone to make me a good truck. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's cool. Then the roles will be reversed. If he wanted a house built out of bricks, he'd call me. He wouldn't try and have a go at it himself because his family home is something that he wants to done right. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So so feel free to say no and I'll edit it out, but uh, can we put a dollar value on it, either of these trucks? That Any idea of what they've cost you? I know what they've cost me. Um, cost me a damn lot of money. Um, but you know what? It's not about that. You only live once. My father died recently. And I saw how hard my dad worked. And I just was after that. My, my perspective of life kind of changed. And I said, you know what? We're only here for a short time and we might as well enjoy it. So I'm just enjoying it, you know. And yeah, and I, these trucks make me happy. And um, obviously other things in life too make me happy as well. So it's not just about trucks. But, you know, I just want to enjoy it. And that's what I enjoy doing. Um, so money-wise, whatever it is, it is. Yeah, and look, you, you can go and buy a brand new 200 series Land Cruiser and put all the stuff on it. It's going to cost you probably 130 grand. And then in a couple of years' time, yeah. that Land Cruiser is only worth 50 or 60 grand. Like your truck's not going down in value at all. No, it's, it, that's what I said to my wife. I said, it's not going down in value. It, I'm not saying it's going to grow dramatically, but you know, it's going to be floating around the same the same point, you know, most of its life. And as the trucks get rarer and rarer, it can only go in one direction. You know what I mean? Mm. It's, yeah, they're getting rarer. Even in America, you know, they've got a big window fleet side, you know, in decent condition. Yeah, they're just getting getting harder and harder to get. So I talk to Rick often and Rick's, you know, he's, he's hunting for them as well. You know, they're all hunting for these trucks. And they come up every now and then, but, yeah looking for leads and whatever but yeah no like you just said you know you can go buy a brand new whatever toyota ford whatever you know and the thing is just devalued in money as soon as you've taken it out of the car yard so yeah you know these things are still worth it's not money down the drain you know it's sitting there so if there comes a point where i need to pass them on well i'll pass them on yeah uh, i feel exactly the same way like I've, I've never bought a new car and i i don't ever plan to buy a new car like for me um, the minute, like you say, the minute you drive a new car out of the out of the uh, sales yard, you just lost ten grand, and then you know a couple of years later you've lost more, and you know you can you can get a nice yeah, just keep devaluing. Yeah, you get a nice old vehicle and spend a few dollars on it, and you know, look at the amount of amount of people that wish they still had that old you know GT or you know Monaro or whatever it was. They they wish they still had them because they're worth a fortune now. Oh, yeah, I wish I still had that WWU, you know, with the stage one Caprice front end and that. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be rare now, hanging around that, mate. Yeah. And that was another thing I wanted to bring up when we went to Texas on that big convoy trip. We stopped past um, at Martin. You know, you ever watch that show on Fox? On, was it on Fox or where that Martin Brothers? They're in Texas. Steel, iron steels, iron something, iron restorations, I think they're called. There was just so many things that memories along the way. We stopped at wineries and stuff like that. I've got I've met some of the best people there now. You know, we actually rented a house out as well when we were at that lane star thing. That was for the weekend. Just so many things. So so great. I recommend anybody. You know, you know. I know a lot of people here in Australia bag America and that, but I don't know. It's what the media lets you see because that's not the real average person in America. They just 
down to earth like us. Everyone I met anyway. No, I totally agree. I, I've lived in the States twice and, and I've traveled there a bit as well. And yeah, I mean, you, you watch your general sitcom and Americans look like absolute dickheads. But when you go there and you just meet normal people, they're, they're really no different to us. They're just normal, nice people. Nah, and you find and you find the people that here that knock Americans have never been to America themselves. Mm. Yeah. You say to them, well, have you been to America? And they'll say no. Mm. Well, so how can you pass a comment like that? No, I, I love it and I recommend it. And, and I'll be back at Dino's next time we can go for sure because I really enjoyed that. And, you know, like you said, Arizona, that it's just such a beautiful place. Like we, we went and did a oh. – we spent two weeks there. Um, you know, we, we went from Arizona all the way through Oklahoma and Texas and up into Kansas, back through Colorado and Utah and California. And we did all that in two weeks, which was a, a bit of a crazy trip. But um, – there's so much to see, you know, like it's, it's sort yeah. of, it's similar it's to, so vast. it is. And it's, it's the same as Australia. Like yeah. most Aussies have never traveled Australia and seen everything we've got. And it's the same in America. Like it's good. But America is very similar, like landscape to us. You've got snow, you've got beaches, you've got desert, you've got rainforest. It's exactly, depending on what part of America you go to, it's just very vast. Um, yeah, like you said, I, I actually love Arizona. I, I could live there in a heartbeat in Arizona. Yeah, I, I, I try to convince my wife. I don't know. <laughs> but I, as much as that as saying that, I do love Australia and everything that it, it's given me and the opportunities it's given me. But, yeah, um, Arizona, like, oh, I'd love it, especially if you want to just build trucks all day and play with trucks. It's the ultimate place to be. Like you said, you've got GSI there, you've got Porterbilt, you've got, you know, Bear Breaks are there. You've got all the big all the big names are just all in one place in Arizona. So that's when I, that's part of the reason when I built that truck, everything was just in Arizona, like all thereabouts. Um, so it's just a really good place to be, especially if you're in the truck scene. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure that I'd want to be there right now, but um, good good spot. Why is that? Oh, the, the COVID thing's out of control over there. Oh, yeah, and Melbourne's any better? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I'll take I'll take our death toll over the US death toll every day of the week. Yeah, yeah, it's sad, really. I just hope everyone gets kicked out at the other end of it, okay? You know, and there's not too many casualties. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's uh, not much fun, and it's you know it's killed all our car shows, and it's killing all their car shows. And I mean, to see SEMA cancelled, I mean, that's a pretty that's a massive deal, you know. Yeah, I had a feeling it was always going to happen at the convention center. And if you've ever seen, like, footage in that of SEMA, it seems like a lot of people on top of each other all the time now. Oh, yeah, you couldn't social distance in there. It would be ridiculous. No, where Dino's is probably a bit different because it's outdoors. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. We'll probably see what happens with that as well. But, um, yeah. But, yeah, that, that was right. After that last Dino's, we took that truck. Me and Rick, we drove that truck to Los Angeles, my truck. So we done a bit, so pretty much after that we did a road trip to LA to, to Compton, where then the truck sat in a warehouse in Compton for about three weeks, I think it was. They came in with a fuselage of an, of, a, of a small light plane and some other car parts. Then it obviously got fumigated the container, and then went on from Long Long Beach from there. Yeah, so yeah, that's why I think most of the warehouses you find in, in Compton. I didn't know Compton was such a rough area. Oh. I was just like, said to Rick, Rick goes, where are we taking this truck? And I said, oh, the warehouse is in Compton. He goes, do you realise where Compton and what Compton is? And I said, no, I don't. And that's where all these uh, 
uh, rappers I was hanging out or grew up in. Yeah. So uh, that was a real eye for Compton as well. Yeah, South Central Los Angeles. It's actually no a, a funny yeah. a funny story about Compton too. Like that's actually funny you say that because when when we were coming back, we were literally um, in L- LA and we were heading. We had to just hang around to go back to the airport to fly back to Australia on that same trip, and we came down through Compton and. We realized we just, we needed another suitcase. We had, you know, just so much crap. We're like, oh, we should just go to a thrift store, buy a suitcase and, um, you know, we'll be able to fit this crap in. And um, we went in, I didn't even really think about where we were, but we just went into this thrift store, I bought a suitcase, you know, for 10 bucks or something. And then, you know, we loaded all our stuff into that night. We flew back to Australia and I was, I was just thinking about it. I'm like, what if that suitcase had belonged to a drug dealer or something and it had like, cocaine dust or some shit in it, I would have been arrested. Yeah, it's, it's very, very possible. It probably did at some stage. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, I know. It's but a... uh, it's just, just an awesome experience. I, I, I can't wait to get over there again, to be honest. So, yeah, I hope this COVID clears up and things get back to normal with travel in regards to travelling. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'll just be a matter of time. But, you know, obviously, we'll get back to it and, um, and uh, yeah, we'll get a trip going. Mate, uh, I'll let you go it's been awesome to catch up um it was good to meet you over there and and check out your truck and check out all the awesome trucks that we're at the get down and it's funny that we had to travel all the way to find each other yeah i know it's, i remember sending you a message and just saying you know like oh just seeing your truck you know like where are you so yeah it's good yeah definitely we'll catch up again hopefully uh yeah, it's to get down somewhere soon and um I'm actually looking at the updates um, on your Instagram from your Google. Um, yeah, so it'd be sort of how progress is going. That'd be fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. We we've got the uh, we got the bright rod run uh, scheduled to be in November um, yeah. this year, and I'm not going to make it for that. But I my goal will be to definitely drive my truck to the to the bright rod run in 2021. And uh, yeah, so it's just. I'm getting there, you know, the motor's in, the, um, the suspension's in, I'm just working on the steering rack at the moment, um, and then I've got to cut the floor out of it and, and build a new floor in it and put some, uh, I want to put some, I, when I cut the Dodge Ram up that I took the engine out of, I, I took all the body mounts, the rubber body mounts off the Dodge, and I'm going to integrate all that into my mm-hmm. truck, just because that Cummins is going to rattle the crap out of that thing, so I just want to make it as comfortable as possible, and yeah, we're slowly getting there, it's good fun. Yeah, yeah. No, it is good. No, that's what I said, Dan. If I do get about doing another build again, I think I'll build it here in in, a, in Sydney now, in back home, rather than there. Yeah. Um, just so I can be more hands-on with what happens. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's there's a lot of really, really good shops around Australia now who are putting out some really high-end, high-end stuff. So I think, you know, in the last five or ten years, um, the, Aussie, the Aussie build scene's really lifted its game and, um, there's no shortage of shops that could do that for you. No, definitely not. And even though like, I built my truck, I, I've definitely seen ideas and got ideas that I want to do and incorporate on a newer truck sometime down the line. So, yeah, I'm looking to express myself as well on another on another build. And, yeah, I've got a few ideas. And just try to do a few unique things. Um, not always just trying to follow the same pattern. Try and do something a bit different as well. Shake it up a bit. Yeah, awesome. All right, mate. Hey, it's been a pleasure chatting, and um, yeah, and we'll we'll definitely catch up with you in person at some stage soon. Yeah, 
Thanks, champ. Take it easy, eh? No worries, mate. Stay safe. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All information shared in our episodes is general, and you should contact your engineer for advice on your build. Please remember to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and share it with friends and fellow enthusiasts on Facebook, iTunes, or the good old word of mouth. I appreciate hearing feedback, good and bad, so please feel free to shoot me an email, classicpickuppodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in advertising on the podcast and have a relevant business, please get in touch. And finally, if you have a project you're building, it can be hard to find the time to work on it. Just spend 15 minutes a day Even if you only unbolt one panel or mount one bracket, you'll be amazed at how quickly it all adds up. The music you hear in the background of this podcast is called Hammer On Down by Uncle Bonehead. Until next week, enjoy the ride.